just things for me. Hello, podcast legends. My name is Ben Greenwood. I'm the off-road performance coach, and this podcast is to share with you how we do things at Race Ready Off-Road Coaching. If you want to be a beast on and off the dirt bike, then you have certainly come to the right place. Today, this entire episode is going to be dedicated to answering a question that was sent in for the last Q&A episode regarding heart rate and how to train to basically replicate the heart rate zones that we will hit on the dirt bike. How can we train for that off the bike in the gym? So this particular gentleman had sent in a question saying that when he's working out, generally his resting heart rate, if he's just sort of sitting in the gym, uh, resting heart rate will be down around 60 beats a minute. And when he's performing a high intensity training effort, like a a hit circuit or something like that, his average heart rate, average heart rate is around the 150 to 160 mark. And it might sometimes sort of peak max out at 170. However, when he's racing in like a two hour hair scramble, he's sitting on the start line. His resting heart rate is at 125 when he's resting on the start line, not moving. And then during the race, his average would be 170 and sometimes maxes out at 190. So he's getting figures on the bike that are like 20 beats higher than his max and his average when he's training in high intensity workouts. So his question was, to sum it all up, was like, how does that happen? And how does that happen during a race? that the resting and max heart rate is so much higher and how can you train for those situations when you can't ride? So there's a fair bit to unpack here. This is why I thought I'd dedicate an entire episode to this. I have touched on a bit of this stuff in past episodes. So some of you might have heard uh, some of the, I guess the examples I'm going to use. You may have heard them in other episodes, but I'm just going to run through a few points when it comes to heart rate and our training. So the biggest thing that we need to understand first is that there's so many things that influence heart rate alone. So obviously oxygen turnover is a big one. So an example of a high degree of oxygen turnover would be cycling. The quads are like one of the biggest muscles in the body that require a lot of oxygen. So when we're cycling, potentially, we might see high heart rates because in that example, on a, on a, a bicycle, there's a high demand for oxygen from the cyclical motion of the legs spinning over. So that may cause may be reflected in a high heart rate. Another example is muscular contractions. So think about, obviously, when we're cycling on a bike, there's some form of muscular contraction going on in the quads, but the tension is reasonably low and it's directly followed by a relax. So the quad contracts and relaxes in a cyclical motion 
repetitively. So that cyclical motion, that contract and relax, that's the ideal scenario for the muscle pump to work in unison with the heart. So it draws the blood in basically from the heart and sends the blood back to the heart. So it can then be re-oxygenated, sent back around to the working muscles. When that muscular contraction becomes more isometric in nature and the muscle is held on for longer periods of time, whether that might be 5, 10, 20 seconds, longer, minutes in some cases, then that can also be reflected in a high heart rate. But in that instance, there's not as much blood coming back to the heart. So the, the heart has to then work harder to redistribute the available blood it has to the other parts of the body that require it. So in that instance, the heart rate may go up, but it's not necessarily the oxygen demand in those particular muscles that are causing it. It's because there's an isometric contraction in those muscles and the, there's not as much blood because we've only got like a finite amount of blood in the, in the body, right? So it's not like we just make some more <laughs> make some more blood when our heart rate needs to go up it's like a fixed amount it's a closed circuit so when blood coming back to the heart is less then the heart has to well can sometimes have to work harder to pump the remaining blood that that it has available to the rest of the muscles so that can reflect an increase in heart rate an example of that's just like doing a wall sit. If you've ever done a wall sit or some sort of isometric hold like that, you might notice that your heart rate goes up. Doing a set of heavy squats where the contractions are quite slow compared to like riding a bicycle, there's a lot more tension in the quads and the contraction is quite slow. It might be three, even up to five seconds if you're like grinding out some, some really heavy reps. Those contractions are a lot slower than what they would be in when we're riding a bicycle. So again, to use the bicycle and a, a heavy squat as an example, and even the wall sit, they're three different environments, same muscle group, the quads. One's cyclical, one's slower, like a heavy squat, it's slower, so the contractions are taking longer, and then one's isometric, like a wall sit. The, the quads are getting held on. There's not that much load there, but it's a very long time that the muscles just locked on in a wall sit. So each of those examples, you will see our heart rate goes up in each of those examples. So same muscle group, three different environments, heart rate increases. So other examples of things that influence heart rate are heat. If you've ever been in a sauna, you might notice that your heart rate goes up and you're not even moving. You can be sitting there motionless in a sauna and your heart rate will go up. Again, the heart has to pump more blood around to the skin to try and cool ourselves down, kind of like a radiator. So stress is another one that can influence heart rate. If you've ever experienced road rage or you've ever had like a heated argument with someone, you can feel that like your heart rate gets elevated. Again, you're not moving. Your body's barely moving in that situation, but a high amount of external stress can influence our heart rate. Adrenaline, mental processing. Like an example I like to use is you look at a race car driver. Um, 
I remember watching a video last year from Bathurst that they put out. Bathurst is a V8 supercar race that we have in Australia. Um, kind of like NASCAR racing if you're from the USA, uh, but on a circuit with a lot more corners, not around an oval. Um, so they had a in, an in-cab, like a GoPro in the cabin with and had all the metrics from obviously the speed they were going, the gear they were in, and they also had the driver's heart rate. So you watch a race car driver, there's not that much movement going on. Like they're obviously working the, the brakes and the clutch and the throttle and they're turning the steering wheel a little bit. But for the most part, they're in an isometric contraction. Like they're whole, having to create tension in their core and brace with their legs and their core against the seat when they're like experiencing these G-forces going around corners at 250k an hour. So their heart rate's maxed out. Like their heart rate's on 180 and their body is barely moving. So again, there's lots of isometric contractions. There's lots of heat. You could say there's some stress, potentially. There's a lot of adrenaline and a lot of med- mental processing going on. So like riding dirt bikes, it's basically like a combination of all of those things. We've got some cyclical movement where there's a high rate of oxygen turnover that's sort of interspersed with lots of isometric contractions like we do spend a lot of time in an isometric contraction potentially depending on the track and the conditions it's hot a lot of the time we're wearing riding gear we've got a hot like an engine that's like over 100 degrees between our legs we've got radiators in front of our legs that like all that heat's just coming straight through the radiators onto our onto our legs um, you got the adrenaline, you got the mental processing. So there's so many things that influence our heart rate. So it's very hard to compare apples with apples. It's like trying, and I, I'd almost go as far to say that trying to replicate your actual heart rate that you're getting on the bike it's almost sort of barking up the wrong tree a little bit. We'll get to that at the end or later in the in the podcast. But there's so many things that influence our heart rate that it's not the only proxy. So just because our heart rate isn't actually the same doesn't necessarily mean we're not getting a benefit from that training potentially or it's it's not improving sort of those physical qualities that we need to improve to improve our output when we're when we're riding a dirt bike so it's important to understand that because a lot of people think oh if my heart rate if i can hold my heart rate at 170 on my road cycle when i'm pedaling along on a nice flat road uh that means i can hold my heart rate at 170 on a dirt bike when i'm stuck in an isometric contraction for a minute down a long straight um when I'm buzzing through trees off the ends of my handlebars, like an inch off the end of my handlebars or or whatever it might be. It's not the same. It's very different. And every single sport, every single modality of training has a different, I guess, influence. That environment has a different influence on our heart rate. So it's kind of like, you just got to kind of take the actual heart rate figure a little bit with a grain of salt. It's not always reflective of the exact same 
environment within the body just because the number on our watch says the same number okay that's really important to kind of grasp that and, and sort of get your head around that so the gentleman's question was like how do you train in the gym to simulate that race scenario those those heart rate numbers that we're hitting in a race honest answer you don't again we want to th- forget about trying to replicate the exact thing that we're doing on the bike in the gym the gym is about training to improve the capacity of the physical qualities required to meet the demands of our sport it's not about replicating what we do on the bike we don't have to necessarily hit the exact same heart rate figure that we hit on our bike to improve our physical limitation and and therefore improve our performance so majority of my clients actually hit higher heart rate numbers in their training than they do in a race it's like very common when i look at my clients heart rate their average and their max heart rate in an interval workout not talking about hit training not talking about circuit training i'll get to what it actually looks like for us interval training their heart rate figures will quite often be higher by 10 to 15 percent in their training than the numbers they hit when they're racing and these are for like my highest level clients at the highest level of this sport that are winning winning races winning gncc races so what that means is their their perception of racing is actually easier than their training and that's a good place to be that's like that's the holy grail if we can get to that point where our training is preparing us for what we truly face then ideally when we get to the race it does feel easier and we can be performing at an intensity that feels very easy to maintain for a very long period of time. That's the holy grail, right? So in this gentleman's case, he's the opposite of that. So he's struggling to hit those numbers in his training. And when he rides, his average and max heart rate is quite a bit higher. So what that screams to me, or what that, I shouldn't say screams are potentially not the right the right word, but what stands out there to me is that your perception of the race is that it is quite hard still and it's your heart rate is potentially higher because your it's harder than the training that you have done to prepare yourself for that event not to say that you're not training hard i'm not i'm not saying that you're not training hard because you said in the, this gentleman said in the question that he's he is doing like 15 to 30 minute hit workouts where he's he is like getting his heart rate up in that 160 range so he's obviously training hard but what stands out for me there is if you're doing 15 to 30 minute hit workouts and maxing your heart rate out like that and you're still finding that when you race your heart rate's maxed out then I'd be evaluating what you're doing in your training and probably 
trying to change something a little bit. There might be something, maybe that high intensity training that you're doing is not actually addressing your biggest limiting factor. So we want to be addressing our biggest limiting factor in our off-bike training. So that will change our perception when we're when we can improve our physical output and our performance, our perception to the intensity of riding our dirt bike changes. It, it gets easier. So that's what I would be looking at is evaluating what you're doing off the bike and saying, okay, if I'm doing X, Y, and Z now, and I'm still finding that my I'm maxing out on the bike, then maybe we need to change X, Y, and Z a little bit or at least manipulate the volumes of x y and z a little bit and then see how that has an effect on what we're doing on the bike so how we actually do that i'll share with you how we do that on race ready programs and how i program for my clients is we don't do hit training we definitely do interval training for our energy systems but we don't do circuit training where we're doing metcons or wads where we're doing like wall balls, squats, walking lunges, push-ups, whatever it might be, exercises, um, AMRAPs, anything like that. We don't do any hit training like that. The way I program is more of the traditional endurance training style where we completely separate, for the most part, we completely separate we can still do them in the same session, but we separate our strength and power training and our energy system training. So energy system training simply means cardio training. For, for those of you who haven't heard that term before, that's what energy system training basically is in simple, simple terms is our cardio training. So we separate them. So when we're trying to get stronger and more powerful then we want to be fresh. We want to stay away from fatigue. So we don't want to just be making our... The goal of a strength and power workout is not to make ourselves tired. It's to improve the skill of strength and power. So we perform our strength and power training at the start of a session when we're fresh. If we are going to complete energy systems training in the same session, it will be at the end of the session. And for the most part, we do it on a fixed modality. So it might be, I obviously my favorite is a rower. I talk about rowing a lot. If my clients have a rower available, the vast majority or the overwhelming majority of their high intensity energy system training will be on a rower because it's full body. Again, when we think of those things that influence heart rate, the oxygen demand, where the heart has to send the blood is one of those very important things. So on a bicycle as an example the our brain's very smart when it when it has a high demand of oxygen needing to go to the quads it will actually reduce blood flow to the rest of our body to the muscles that aren't working so like okay my arms aren't having to do much here so i'm just gonna take a bit of blood from them and i'm gonna send that blood down to the quads well riding a dirt bike isn't like that riding a dirt bike our upper body's working, our core's working, our hands are working, our forearms are working, our entire body is working. So 
the heart and the lungs have to be able to provide blood and oxygen to the entire body. So I'm a firm believer that we are best off performing our high-intensity energy system training on a full-body modality like a rowing machine. So we separate them. We perform our strength and power training when we are fresh with the primary goal of improving our strength and power. When it comes to energy system training, we perform the interval training on a fixed modality on its own. So by separating them, then we can tightly control the duration and the intensity to achieve the desired outcome that we're trying to achieve. So again, when you think about those things that influence heart rate, heart rate, like I mentioned at the start, just because it's elevated uh, when we're doing heavy squat, as an example, it's not the same thing as when it's elevated when we're pedaling a cycle. So if we're doing HIIT training or circuit training, that includes a numerous number of movements. Just because our heart rate is at, say, 170, it doesn't mean that that demand on the heart and the lungs is the same as what it would be if our heart rate was at 170 cycling. Because again, it's a different demand. The contractions in the muscles are a lot longer, a lot slower, and more isometric in nature. So to actually improve our performance when it comes to energy system training, we basically want to be placing enough stress on the respiratory system. And the best way to do that is on a fixed modality where the oxygen turnover is high. So we can get up to an intensity that places a lot of stress on the respiratory system, the heart and the lungs and all of the muscles that surround the respiratory system. We need to be, that's why we're like, I'm for all my clients, I'm manipulating the duration and the rest period of their interval training to achieve the desired outcome that we're looking to achieve. And that is, for my one-on-one clients, that's individual to everyone's situation. So some of those efforts will be like longer, say they might be 90 seconds, two minutes, even up to three minutes, even sometimes a little bit longer when we're trying to really stress the respiratory system. And it's more of like that traditional, what they would call VO2 max type training, but I call it respiratory training. That's because what that's the limitation we're trying to improve is we're trying to place stress on the respiratory system to improve the strength and endurance of the entire respiratory system and the muscles that go with it. So we do that by doing those longer sort of where we're going like really hard intensity in that on the low end for someone that's sort of beginning, it might be 90 seconds. And then we're going to build that up to sort of two minute, three minute, even a little bit longer efforts where we're working very, very hard for a long interval around that sort of three minute mark. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we have our utilization style training, which is a lot shorter but even higher intensity. So it might be a 30 second effort where we're just going like balls to the wall as hard as we can straight out of the gate to the point that we cannot even, like we're struggling to maintain it by the end of the 30 second interval. So that is our utilization style training. So in that instance, we're actually 
improving our body's ability to utilize oxygen very, very quickly for energy. So we're outstripping the the demand of oxygen is outstripping the supply. So they're two different stimuluses that we're trying to provide on the system and we manipulate them by the length, the duration and the rest period of our training and obviously the overall volume. So that's how we do it and that just simply comes back to that premise that I spoke about is that it's not about replicating what we do on the bike or in my mind at least it's not about replicating what's happening on the bike in the gym it simply comes back to training to improve the capacity of the physical qualities required to meet the demands of our sport we need to be strong we need to be powerful how can we best do that we're best doing that away from fatigue when the body is fresh so we can use meaningful loads and intensities in our strength and power training to improve the skill of getting stronger and more powerful aka heavy strength training and plyometrics then when it comes to energy system training we need to be in like building that aerobic engine how do we do that there's going to be some long some steady state effort stuff in there where the heart rate's much lower and we're we're building that aerobic base that everyone likes to call it we're really just improving the capacity of the whole aerobic system with some of that longer steady state effort where the heart rate's lower and then on top of that we're performing our interval training on a fixed modality at a duration and intensity that we are manipulating depending on the outcome we're trying to achieve for most of my clients and how we do it on the race ready live program that's simply two sessions a week so one of those sessions is shorter is of the like the shorter duration efforts and one the other session sorry the second session is the slightly longer so very simple example the first set well I'll, i'll give you the example of what we're doing in the current race ready live program is day one the energy system training is 30 seconds on 30 seconds off pretty simple we want to be operating at an intensity that's very hard to maintain for 30 seconds but we've got a short rest period and we're we're, so it's 60 second round 30 second effort 30 second rest and we're repeating that for somewhere between 10 to 15 rounds 10 to 15 minutes total depending on the level of fitness and the time available in in the schedule session number two we're currently doing six by 500 meter repeats with a two minute rest so depending on where you're at with your two minute row it's around about going to be one-to-one work rest ratio two minutes on two minutes off hopefully your 500 rows a little bit quicker and it's down around that sort of minute and a half minute 40 mark uh, and you're getting a slightly longer rest period for for those who don't have a rower available that session is programmed as duration so it's simply two minutes on two minutes out off by six rounds so we're spending a total of 12 minutes of effort there the rest of the energy system training in the program is all low intensity zone two aerobic development none of my clients i i don't program more than two high intensity 
sessions for my clients ever in one week. And most, a lot of them only do one high intensity training session a week. The rest of it is low intensity and obviously what they're doing on the bike. So that's just to give you an example of what I do for my clients and how we achieve it. But again, to answer this gentleman's question, if whatever you're doing now, if you feel like you're limited on the bike and you're still maxing out your heart rates on the bike, then I'd be evaluating that and answering the question, is it potentially do I need to do more low intensity aerobic work to develop that aerobic capacity potentially like again i don't know exactly what this person's doing in their training they're not a client of mine it's just a question they've sent in so that's what i'd be asking is are you doing any low intensity base aerobic work potentially adding some more of that in and trimming the intensity back like try that for a little for a period try that for six to eight weeks doing a little bit less on the high intensity side and a little bit more on the low intensity side See if you notice a difference. That could be something that improves your actual physical limitation, potentially. Maybe it's just shifting from doing the HIIT training and separating your strength training to your to a fixed modality. So instead of doing HIIT training or circuit training, maybe it's just doing your energy system training on a fixed modality for six to eight weeks. Try that, see if it makes a difference. Maybe it's just getting stronger. Like that is a big thing that can influence how we perceive the intensity of racing our dirt bike is if our level of strength is low and we haven't exposed ourselves to heavier forces in our training, then when we start riding our dirt bike at high speed and we're hitting things at high speed, that's a high amount of force. So straight away, our brain's like, oh, hang on a minute, like this is way harder than the 20 kilo goblet squats I've been doing as an example. Um, Maybe it's just actually focusing more on max strength and getting stronger. That could potentially have a carryover to you feeling like the intensity of riding is easier for you. So they're just a few things that you can potentially identify and manipulate in your training and then like like everything it's just a matter of if you make any changes you want to stick at them for four to six weeks and then probably the longer side actually like six to eight weeks four weeks is getting on the low end to see any changes like you'll definitely start to see changes within six to eight weeks if you're consistent with any changes you make and then reassess how's my performance going does it do I notice any difference? Does it feel better? If it does, then whatever you did, give it a tick of approval. It's obviously working. If it doesn't, if it goes the other way or actually gets worse, then there's something else there that we want to change. So that's about it. Hopefully that's given people some value and a little bit of insight as to how we do things. Like I say, that's I'm just sharing with you how we do it or how I program for my clients. And that's how I program the race ready live, which is our group program. I'll chuck a link in the show notes of this episode. If you want to check out the race ready live program, but like I say, that's how we do it. And that's how 
my clients are getting great results at every level in our sport is that's where I probably am a little bit of take that a little, I guess that traditional endurance training um, approach is separating our strength and our cardio or energy system training. Our strength training is just like proper strength training. We get our clients really strong and we perform our energy system training away from that on a fixed modality for the most part and we get build them an aerobic really solid aerobic engine you combine both of the both of those things riding your dirt bike is going to be really easy like i say if you want to know any more about the race ready live program there'll be a link in the show notes you can check it out otherwise hope that answered some questions for you if you have any questions regarding that shoot them through to me as a dm or an email and i will get them answered on the next q a podcast episode otherwise Hope you are all having a great week. Hope you're getting out to shred some trail on your dirt bike and we will see you on the next episode. I appreciate you. Bye-bye.